Tupac of my generation, blue pill in the fucking matrix, red rose in the great pavement, young black nigga trapped and he can't change it, know he a genius, he just can't claim it, cause they left him no platforms to explain it, he frustrated so he get faded, but deep down inside he know you can't fade him, how long should I stay dedicated, how long till opportunity meet preparation, I need some real nigga reparations, or I run up in your bank just for recreation, dedication, Hard work plus patience to some more my sacrifice. I'm done waiting, I'm done waiting. Told you that I wasn't playing. Now you hear what I've been saying. Dedication. Dedication. Welcome everyone to the Nickish Podcast. This is episode number 18. My name is Mo, and I'm here with my co-host Nafi. We're here to talk about the Knicks and the NBA. Uh, but before we get started, my co-host has a few words to share. <sighs> so, I mean, where to begin? I mean, obviously we got to... So, most of my listeners have probably heard just um, on March 31st, um, a coward filled with jealousy and hate... Um, committed one of the worst crimes one could commit he took a life and this life he took belonged to uh the one and only the great nipsey hustle rest in peace to a real one um not only was it was he an amazing artist amazing rapper he was a, a philanthropist a dude that was about everything he spoke in his music he gave back to his community he came up independent um, with his brother along his side, with his homies by his side, he built up his own empire, did it his way, and then came back. And, in, and he not even came back, he never left his hood. He was all about going back and fixing what he could in the community that needed help. And he acted on his actions. He stayed true to himself. He never folded. He was right, but he did right by his people. And, I mean, as a as a fan that just, like, Stumbled upon his music in about 2012 and just became a full-blown fan in 2013 off the Crenshaw tape. It, it hurt, and just seeing the love and outpouring that and the outpouring of emotion and support that's come in the last few weeks with his passing, it's been beautiful to see. And it's it sucks, man. But not even a lot of you felt like I lost a big brother. Just how that's how powerful this dude's music was. And um, for those that weren't familiar, now is like the best time, obviously, to get into him because. The man was reciting basically scriptures in his raps, bro. Inspirational, motivational, aspirational kind of lyrics that would have you trying to hop out the bed and do right by him and do right by yourself for your own people and build your own success. I mean, I mean, what clearer way to describe him than just to say that he, he basically rapped about having boardroom meetings with so many chains on. He looked like a 1980s drug kingpin. But then, and then he'd go out and hop in his Mercedes with no tent just so you could see him and realize that you could do it too. 
that dude was one of one. He was A1, and we lost to King. And I guess this is why I wanted to start this off, this, this, whole, this whole podcast, just to pay respects, because, yo, rest in peace to Nip Pulse of the Great, the legend, an icon, and a real one, first and foremost. Yeah, thank you for that, man. Uh, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. Uh, I read somewhere, I saw somewhere that someone made a comparison to like if we say for example we lost Jay-Z 20 years ago that's basically what, what ended up happening we lost Nipsey Hussle at age 33 uh, great philanthropist rapper and all that so you know rest in peace thank you for the for the words and you know we can only hope that there's better regulation his legacy gotta and, live on and yeah yeah and like that's what... we just need more safety going on and you know shit like this can't happen Keep can't keep happening to people out there especially to good people yeah Man got gunned down in, in his own in front of his own store in front of a shopping plaza that he brought or he bought in his own community, refurbished and renovated and hired ex felons just because convicts could or ex cons couldn't get jobs. You know what I mean? So he hired all of them just to give them jobs and opportunity to rebuild their life. That's the type of dude he was, and that's the kind of legacy he's leaving on. And that should be instilled in all of us, fans and non fans alike, that are just hearing about him, that are becoming aware of him. I mean. It's a gut punch, bro. You know what I mean? Last year, 20, 2018, he hit. He finally was on that precipice of just like, like mainstream successes and everything. But he was on there. You know what I mean? He was. He reached it. He cracked that glass ceiling. Grammy nominated. You know what I mean? He his that was his debut album, and he had the audacity to name it Victory Lap. You know what I mean? A victory laps, which you run after you already won the race. That's how it was for Nip, bro. Pure confidence and just conveying everything that's right you know what i mean yeah. uh, how to be a man how to be a good brother a good father a good son and a an asset to your community and just i mean what can we say dude was all about ball you know what i mean so i mean if this could be our one way to kind of just like contribute to paying tribute to his legacy then let's do it because he was a huge basketball fan literally the day before his passing his untimely passing he was at the texas tech uh college basketball game mm-hmm. he was there showing support for a kid that was on Texas Tech, who was the son of one of his boys, you know what I mean, sitting there courtside, screaming his ass off, supporting this kid, you know what I mean? He was all about the game, and rest in peace, that's all that could be said at this point, man. Yep, just gotta keep the marathon going. Yes, sir, the motherfucking marathon continues, Doug. Alright, yo, so, you know, moving on, we'll talk a little bit about the New York Knicks right now, and, and the season that just ended, um, they ended 17 and uh, 65. So I believe that's tied for the worst Knicks season of all time. Um, but, you know, it feels like yesterday we started on in October. Well, not really. It doesn't feel like yesterday. That was a long-ass season that just, that just went by. Knicks lost every other game. There were some disappointing moments, but at the end of the day, when we started the season, there were a list of checkboxes that – that that you and I as fans wanted the Knicks to check off by the end of the season, and for the most part, uh, those were checked off. So, all in all, for this season, we got to say it's a successful one. Yeah, as far as uh, damn near rec- reaching the record of franchise losses is concerned, it was a successful season. I mean, our fans and listeners, um, the dozen of them, not dozens, but dozen of them, can go back to our old episode. Hear us talk about the tank palooza that was about to unra- unravel, and it happened, bro. I mean, shit. As soon as we clinched that worst record in the league, I fist pumping my living room like we won the championship. You know what I mean? 
You know, we actually have listeners. <laughs> you know, we actually have listeners from Europe, and um, wait, for some, real? Some, oh, I, shit. I shit you not. Uh, I have all the stats for. We have listeners in Europe. We have some listeners in South America too. It's wild. Uh, if you look at the stats on on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you can see where some of your listeners are from. I've seen some from Venezuela. I've seen some from like Russia and some in England. It's pretty cool. So. I wouldn't say we have. I wouldn't say we have a dozen listeners. I would say we have a few dozens. I I like flex for y'all, courtesy of my co-host Mo. Okay, all right, man. <laughs> I was trying to keep it on the humble. But, but no, this is no. This is all preparation, man. Once this right now is a Knicks season. Now that the actual season's over, or like the technical season's over, this is the actual Knicks season. It's the off season, and right now the Knicks successfully. Well, okay. So let's say some of our goals that we had, or the Knicks had uh for themselves or you know as fans that we wanted them to have so one of them was to get the worst record in the nba that's a check why because that gives the knicks the best chance at landing the number one pick which is 14 percent and this year's number one pick is one of the most hyped uh possibly best college players that we've seen in a really long time and this and that's zion williamson and he's the type of player yes, that sir. is in a that is a franchise altering player and if we can land him that's that's a really big difference maker for us for the next decade at least, um, and that's if we if if that's where if we're able to draft him um, and keep him. Now, some of the other check boxes is to develop our our young rookies. Kevin Knox had a was rookie of the month in December. He he was a little up and down, and then the last you know few weeks of the of the season he was on the up again. So he has a lot of potential to be a great scorer in the NBA, and um, you know I have confidence that. David Fizzle will be able to continuously successfully develop him. He's only he's the second youngest player in the NBA right now. And, you know, Mitchell fucking Robinson. I'll I'll let you take this one. There's so there's so much shit we can say about Mitchell fucking Robinson. Big money Mitch. Yes, sir. Stole my opening line, but yes, sir. Big money Mitch. <laughs> Earned that nickname in spades. I mean, what can we say about this precocious neophyte? You know what I mean? To quote the great Clyde Frazier, yep. second in the league in blocks per game while playing 20 minutes per game, barely. Like, that's rare. When we, we used to talk, we used to call KP the snake that uh, no longer resides in on uh, Madison Square Garden. We used to call him our large adult son. I mean, may have lost one son that kind of got himself into some trouble, quote unquote. You know what I mean? But uh, we got ourselves a new one. And um, shit, man. Mitch is out. He's looking special. It's not just like protecting the rim, but like we we droned on and on about this in previous episodes. But just his ability to intuitively just block shots on the perimeter, and game by game, he just he, like a beginning of the season he couldn't stop fouling that damn near curtail and was like no longer a problem by the end of the season. He improved his free throw shooting as soon as we got DeAndre on the roster. So that to me, I mean, we don't know for sure, but to me that tells me he's a young kid that had soaked up the mentorship from a pre former uh, all defensive player of the year kind of, or an all defensive team center and uh, all the tricks and trades that a veteran could offer. He took it and ran with it. You know what I mean? Like he's a building block piece. And like, I mean, we had a little bit of a mini debate a couple of episodes ago about whether he was our best foundation piece moving forward. But I feel like there's no longer any kind of debate for, for either of us at this point. You feel me? Yep. And just to, just, just to add on to it, when you think of the total blocks in the NBA, you said he's second in the NBA in blocks per game. That's huge because you have to consider that this man plays half the minutes as 
everybody else on the list. He plays only he's averaging about 20 minutes a game. Yet when you look at total block leaders, he's number four uh, at 161, while the top guy Miles Turner's 199. So if he played even 10 more minutes, there's a good chance he would have been number one in the league in terms of blocks per game. And then, uh, or sorry, total blocks. But when it comes to blocks per game, he's averaging 2.4. That's more than Rudy Gobert, dude. Yep. I mean, just going back to Rudy Gobert, like, Mitch had a better rookie season than that dude ever, like, did. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even close. You know, like, that upward trajectory is there, bro. Yeah, and it's not just, and it's the type of blocks that he does, and we, we touch on this almost every episode, but yeah, it's, it's really a big point to be made. He's blocking people from everywhere, the three-point line, mid-range, right by the rim, and he's close, and he's he's finishing on dunks a lot more smoothly now, too. His dunks are getting better and better every game. Yeah. So and he's, like... he's really becoming a presence for the Knicks, and he's a player that opposing teams are going to have to really look out for in order to stop him because he's right now, he's really efficient, and he's scary on the defensive end. People need to think twice if they're going to take a three-point shot if he's nearby. Yeah. He blocked James Harden, the reigning MVP, a couple times from a from the three-point line. Like, they're... are you kidding me? Like, like what? <laughs> this is a rookie, bro. Mind you, second-round pick, and... I mean, before we move on from Mitch, it's just I got to give props to uh, that dysfunctional franchise out in Los Angeles, bro. I mean, pre-draft, pre-draft reports said they had promised Mitch and his agent that they would take him first round, right? Ender picking Mo, Mo Wagner instead. Mitch fell to the second round, and the rest is history. You know what I mean? Like, so props to them, you know what I mean, okay. for their incompetence. We know they're in the headlines and in the news lately. How refreshing oh, is man. it that it's not the Knicks for once? With all these changes going on the last two days with fired coaches, fired GMs, mm-hmm. or GMs mm-hmm. quitting. Talk about the it. Knicks are not, mm-hmm. The Knicks aren't anywhere in that list. They're they're on their own, you know, worried about free agency and just trying to do, and set the, setting themselves up for the next 10 years. But no, no foreign drama right now, knock on wood. Yep. I mean, obviously with the Knicks, sort of the, to an extent that we, we can actually talk some shit, you know what I mean? But... Like like you said, all these coaches that got fired, they're all first-year coaches that just got fired. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a sign of stability. And, like, what do we got? We got a stable front office that are all on the same page. Like, with the Kings, Dave, what is it, Yoger? Yoger? Yeager? Yogurt. It's not Yeager. <laughs> it might y- be Jägermeister? <laughs> what, whatever, Dave. Good old Dave. Big Dave. Got fired because, in large part, because he couldn't get along with the front office. You know what I mean? That's not the case with the Knicks. Fisdale, Perry, Mills, they're all on the same page. I go back to like seeing them dudes just dapping each other up at Fisdale's intro conference. Warm my heart then and just like reflecting back on it now amidst all the turmoil that's going on across the league. Like it's refreshing to have a front office that's on the same page. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no president of basketball operations isn't taking shots on anybody. He isn't coming down to try to tell the coach how to coach. You know what I mean? Everybody's on the same page. It's just it's a refreshing, like you said, and it's also kind of brings a tear to my eye, bro. Not even gonna lie to you. Um, Knicks and stability. What? <laughs> uh, but before I forget, we still have we we still owe the fans a top five worst Knicks moments, which we're gonna touch on next on next week's episode. We wanted to make sure that we kind of summarize the season in this in this week's episode, but we're still gonna touch on the top five worst Knicks moments in the next episode. So that's that's still that's still on its way. Today's a feel-good moment, even though the Knicks just tied their franchise's worst record. It's funny how things work out. 
it's a feel-good moment if you know what the context is, you know what I mean? And we've been trying to, it's our whole goal of this podcast, right? To enlighten and enrich the masses with that's our next knowledge, even though we're non-experts. That's sir. Yes, sir. That's our mission statement. So hopefully they get why this is a joyous occasion. I mean, lottery odds got changed, you know? Top, the bottom three worst teams all got the same shot at the number one pick, but Getting that worst record locked us up into a guaranteed top five pick, and that's a big fucking deal. Yep. Just going off the fact that you go through any kind of statistical research, it'll tell you you get all stars, the superstars in the top five of the draft. You know what I mean? And we're locked in there. It's and, a beautiful thing. You know, even though the, the the bottom three teams have the same opportunity at getting the first round pick, it's important to note that because the Knicks have the worst uh, record, the worst pick or the, the latest pick that they could get is a top five pick so they could get the fifth pick while the second worst team could still fall down to number six and the third worst team could still fall down to number seven so it would have it would have sucked to have to go through all this and still end up knowing that you still have a you end up getting a top seven pick uh so top exactly. five yeah. we're guaranteed that um and the top five in this year's draft even you know say we don't get zion wilson which hopefully won't be the case there's still a solid group of four other you know players who are in this in this year's draft yes sir i mean it would stink to see us fall to five but at least we didn't fall to six to seven you know what i mean and i mean since we're doing this wrap up you want to kind of touch on the the rental guys our franchise picked up last summer yep. touch on the guys that we like guys that we didn't so some of the main guys that were who are expendable for this summer are emmanuel moody noah vonley and mario zonia and throughout this season you know Different guys were, were being the highlights of, of their team. So, for example, Noel Vonley early in the season was really good, and we were, he was a very nice surprise. Moutier, towards December, was a nice surprise. He was scoring well, um, and when he came back from injury, he was still playing fairly well. And the last the last end of the season, the last third of the season, or we'll say last two months, Mario Hazonia, who I did say at a point in a previous episode, well, I... I predicted that he probably wouldn't be in the even be in the nba next season uh he'd be he'd be doing triple doubles and shit now he'd be blocking kings. He'd, be, he'd be dunking on guys <laughs> better apologize <laughs> suddenly he's a six foot eight point guard and he, now he remembered how to play and score efficiently he's a i got he's a fr- he's a pretty frustrating player but when he plays well he plays really well tiff i mean let's be honest uh, if we could did a top five moments of the season Two of them would go to Mario. You know yeah. what I mean? Blocking LeBron, dunking on Giannis. i never seen the Garden so hyped. And the, the blocking LeBron thing, it was just, I mean, is this your king? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, but, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love his attitude, dude. He, he'll block them. He'll walk like he's fucking Kobe. Yes, sir. And, I mean, we can't forget, he uh, shit-talked uh, cancer for being a Brett. He's like, yo, get the fuck up and cheer for your teammates instead of being a brat. You know what I mean? Yeah. We got that piece of shit out of here. Got in a new actual veteran center like DeAndre that actually enjoys mentoring the kids and, like, will let Mitch get a shine. You know what I mean? He even told. Exactly. He was literally telling telling Phil, like, all right, bro, like, just go ahead and start Mitch. I'm cool with coming off the bench. That's what a leader and a mentor does on a rebuilding situation, not whining about playing time and trying to be an all-star, delusional as shit. And I'm going to tell you right now, Nurkic, terrible injury that happened to him, out for the year, you know what I mean? That means Enos Cantor is a starting center on a playoff team, and that massacre, that shit about to be a bloodbath, bro. 
against OKC. <laughs> Can't wait to Russ see that. Russ about to pick it. Yo, pick, as Devin Booker said, pick and roll at double zero every time. That's about to happen, bro. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, on a much more negative note, I guess we got to talk about uh, Boudier, who reclaimed that title with a vengeance, and uh, Noel Vonley. So I'll let you handle that. <laughs> I mean, I, I sometimes feel bad for how much people clown on Emmanuel Moutier. Um, you saw the other. You saw how much people were clowning when he has D Way for the for the jersey, and D Way's like, nah, like I already gave it to somebody else. People were clowning him, but like class act by D Wade. I don't know if you saw, it, but he sent uh, yeah, he sent him the jersey. jersey. That was really nice. Look, yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. At the end Charity's day, always cool. The tax write off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Underprivileged scrubs deserves <laughs> stuff too. <laughs> Look, I I mean, at the end of the day, like, Moutier, I don't have a problem with his attitude. His game, I do have a problem with. He's not very good at it, at, at basketball. He's good sometimes, but I wouldn't want to see him. <laughs> I wouldn't want to see him on a team next season. He's okay. Um, I, I think because yeah. Dennis Smith Jr. is on a team now, he's definitely expendable. He's just he's just better at everything than Moutier is, and he's younger and um, has a better has a better motor. Um, he also doesn't stink, stink out loud. This is also true. Moutier had a... Moody had a hot two weeks, got our hopes up, and then just became Moody again. He turned back into a pumpkin. So yeah. we can yeah. and and <laughs> we do re-sign Hazonia, which I would have a problem with if he's if he's ready to sign back on a smaller contract than he had. He he signed for a six mil contract. If he's down to take like a two or three mil contract and he's down to be like a backup, I'm okay with it because he he could be a nice scorer off the bench if you know a certain guy yeah. if a certain guy named Carmel Anthony doesn't come back. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh Lord, don't get me started. <laughs> Don't bring that around here. Don't get me all. <laughs> Don't get my panties in the twist, bro. <laughs> if he's down to be, if he, if if I'm if I'm locking Hazonia is to put him at the point, like, shit, why not? Like he he got a triple double. He dished out what eleven assists, um, or it was either eleven or sixteen. It might have been sixteen rebounds, but either mm-hmm. way, he scored. He still scored a triple double, um, and was able to dish out assists. And he's a tall guy, and he knows how to score. It's just he, he mm-hmm. could I, I see him as still being a frustrating player if he's still with the Knicks, kinda like Moutier doing well for a few weeks and then dropping it for the next two weeks. Um he could end up being that, but if he's down to come back on a small contract while the rest of the team is you know, superstars, you know, possibly knock on wood, K D, Kyrie. If DeAndre Jordan stays, that'd be dope. We got Mitch. If Melo as a dream decides to come back on a vet's men and decides to be a, a scorer off the bench, that'd be that'd be crazy. Um but Vonley, I th- I feel like he was just riddled. Oh, he was good in the beginning, and I think he was just riddled by injuries. But I I do like him as a player, and I think he could still True. he True. could still be a good fit for any team, including the Knicks, especially if they're if if free agency goes the way we wanted to go, then there's title aspirations, and you need guys like Frank and Vonley to be on the team to really be successful and take you to that point. I mean. Thing about Vonley is he was kind of trailing off before the injuries even hit. You know what I mean? Before that injury bug even got to him. You know what I mean? Like his shooting was telling off, and like we were both talking about how pleasantly surprised we were that he was shooting damn near forty percent as a as a stretch big, um, rebounding well and all that. But I mean, you're right. I mean, he still showed enough where I would I wouldn't mind seeing him back. Um, I feel like that's the whole point of these like one year deals with former lottery picks. See if we could uh, turn one of them into a reclamation project. And kind of just uh, polish off their value a little bit. I um, mean, I guess like just after Vonley trailed off, I almost feel like we had discussed this at the time during the trade trade deadline. But maybe we should have traded him for some value at the time because he did kind of just fall off a cliff too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and it, I mean, 
you mentioned another name over there, but just just we're on the topic of uh, just kind of reassessing the situation. I mean, talk about falling off a cliff, man. Our French Prince, man, was not a good year. Objectively no. speaking, as much as we love the kid, as much as he's uh, our French foreign baby, it's uh, it's tough to say, man. He regressed. Um, he he was not a bad defender by any means, but I don't think he was as good as he was his rookie year. You know, mm-hmm. um, his shooting never came around. Um, he did have like a little bit of a, a few games where, like, when they put the ball in his hands, he was playing well, and then there were other games where they did the same, and he was just not able to attack, set up an offense, or just you know turn the ball over a lot. Um, it's just I don't know. I feel like maybe a sum, another summer under Fizdale's wings uh, would uh, will do him some good. Um, let him be healthy. Um, let him build that chemistry with Dennis and just his skill set overall. Say we do get the big fish this summer, which we will kind of touch on later in this pod, the big fish, mind you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good complimentary piece, you know. He's a, a defensive puzzle piece. He, he's got a high IQ. He knows to make the right pass. It's just he's not really a primary initiator, and I think it would be a disservice to him to develop him as such. I feel like right now it's best to build his complimentary skills and then let the other, th- other stuff kind of come later on. Um, yeah. Similar to how Paul George and Kawhi developed. You know, they were, like, complimentary pieces that, like, grew into the major piece. So, I think maybe that's the way to do it with Frank. But, yeah, I mean, that's that on Frank. I think I think the smart thing for Frank or with Frank would be just to lower the ceiling for him or the expected ceiling for him. I think that was, that was really what was bothering him. I think Knicks fans were putting a lot of pressure on him to be a starter and maybe see if he could be a star. And I think at this point we just need to focus on possibly, you know, creating or, like, setting him up to be a solid role player. And if he sees that mentally, that there's not too much pressure on him to be the best player on his team, I think that's when he'll start to grow out. And if anything, he, that could be that could be his role in the NBA: be a defensive specialist and be be a guy to get stops when necessary. And I think that would be okay, especially since we have Dennis Smith Jr. take on the reins as exactly. being starting point guard. If if Frank is a solid role player who's there defensively and has high IQ and is unselfish, those are still guys that you need on a team to be successful. Who's not going to bitch and moan about minutes and you know not being able to get final shots or anything like that. Those are still guys that are crucial for a team. And if he if he can learn to take a shot, you know if he's if he can learn to be more efficient, that would be awesome. And I think that's something that he'll definitely put in work for this summer. Yeah, his shooting just needs to you know just polish off that shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, become like a 35% three-point shooter. There you go. You a three and D wing at minimum. You know what I mean? That's va- very valuable in the modern NBA. Yeah. Um, and just I was just hope he's here. You know what I mean? Because there have been those reports that uh we're gonna shop him on draft day. So neither of us would want to see it. But part of me also thinks it might make sense for him to get a fresh start, similar to how Fultz got a fresh start. You know, just um like he's still young enough where like maybe he can go to another situation and just flourish on his own because. Um, it just comes down to, I guess, the making as much room as possible this summer under the cap, and also just um, how would he fit moving forward if and when we do get the big fish. I know we talk about complimentary skill set is, but you know, a young guy we didn't touch on yet, Dotson. I feel like he showed out this year that that kind of skill set you need in the NBA. Knockdown shooter, um, can dribble a little bit, played solid defense, um, knew where to cut, where to pass. Um, that that's the kind of player that we hope Frank could be, right? And I don't know. I mean, like I said, it would suck to see him traded, but if we could get a good value, who knows, right? Like, I wouldn't be mad at it. It was just similar to how, like, when we traded uh, Billy Hernan Gomez. 
we didn't want to see it happen, but we at least we got good value for him, right? So I'm just trying to set myself up for that sting of seeing like Woj save nearly keeping it traded to the Pacers or some shit. It would definitely wouldn't be smart to trade him right now, just because this is his value is at its lowest right now. So I think they're he's still on his rookie contract. It would just be a better idea for them to keep him as like a project and develop him, and then maybe later trade him when he's a little better. But they're not true, gonna true. Get, they, that... they ain't gonna get shit with him right now. Maybe maybe like a second rounder or two at this point, just because he he really has plummeted this season. True, but it's also just like I feel you on the value being low right now. But what if like next year, you know? We got we got uh, a lot of big stars. He's playing like ten minutes a game, and then like at the end of the next year, he's only got one year left. I'd argue his value wouldn't be better. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like that's why Scott Perry and Steve Mills get paid the big bucks. Um, Scott Perry, like I mentioned before in previous pods, he seems like he seems like a very pragmatic dude. Um, has his plan A, B, and C laid out. Um, he has a vision for the team. Um, maybe he has an idea of what he wants to do with Frank. But I feel like these rumors about trading him are coming from nowhere. All we've heard so far leading up to recently is just that like other teams have reached out about him and we turned him down. Now it's on the other way around that we would shop him uh, on draft day. So I think that's what kind of makes me worry that it'll happen. Um, yeah. But it is what it is. I mean, it will sting seeing him go, but if the summer goes right, we probably won't even remember any Frank trade, bro. Let's just keep it real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Especially, especially because Dotson, like you mentioned, has has become what we were hoping he'd become. And you know, exactly. another player who's a free agent this season who we might want to keep an eye out for, especially if we do get the big fish, is Danny Green. Imagine he comes oh, yeah. aboard for, true, for, true. for a minimum uh, and just decides to be a mentor to Dotson and Frank. That would be dope. That's a beautiful pipe dream, but I think he plays so well this year. I don't think he's trying to – you know what I mean? Like I feel like the Raptors are all in on contending, so if they do keep Kawhi, I think Danny's got to stay because they like boys apparently or some shit. Uh-huh. Um, but who knows? But uh, yeah, he would, I, I think uh, Daniel Green's local to New York or New Jersey, so I feel like it would be a homecoming. It would be really cool. Yeah. Um, definitely wouldn't mind that. Boy. Yeah, but it's just like, I also go back into the whole, like, I don't think he'll take the minimum, so I don't want to spend any big money on him when we got, like, dot for, like, 1.5 mil next year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, since we've been alluding to the big summer, um, do you want to get started on, uh, on our new segments, or do you want to wrap up the season a little bit more? No, I think we're ready to talk about the off season, dude. The season overall. The despite... our season. Huh? <laughs> That's our season, not the off season, bro. Oh, our season. My bad. Yes, uh, sir. Our real season. Our real season. Yeah. The the this was this whole thing. The last eight months or so. This was a pre. That was a preseason. Uh, we're right now in the real season. The, the it's it's technically known as the off season or postseason, uh, even though the playoffs are still going on. Um, some dates that we got to look out for is May fourteenth. So yesterday, the Knicks made an announcement on who's going to represent the Knicks for the lottery. So, yes, sir. The legend, yes, sir. The legend himself, Patrick Ewing, will represent yes, the New sir. York Knicks for the lottery. Now, why? Why is this? Why is this cool? You asked it, rhetorically. It's, it's, you it's very me. cool. I'm asking rhetorically, <laughs> but you're gonna answer the question. I thought it rhetorical. That's uh, just my English degree speaking out. But anyway, it's a big, big fucking thing. Because one, Pat Ewing, greatest player in our franchise's history. His name's, his number's up in the Raptors for a fucking reason. He carried us on his back all through the 90s in the face of the juggernaut Bulls and Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Uh, it sucked never seeing him get a ring. But his legacy speaks for itself. But more relevantly to the lotto, he was the la- last time the Knicks won the lottery was the first time the lottery was ever a thing. 
And that time, they picked the man, the legend, big Pat Ewan. You know what I mean? So it's just a beautiful thing, just poetic in that way that, like, we're bringing him in. It's probably the best kind of karma available. I feel like all Knicks fans are on board with him as a rep, kind of wondering why it never came before. I feel like the only other option that would have been might have even top like Ewing going to the lottery for us was if like Dolan mended fences with Oakley and brought him in to do it. You know what I mean? But that was never happening. So like shit, bro. I mean, like before the news dropped yesterday, I think it was two days ago, Ewing was mad, cryptic about like, oh, I know a secret that's gonna drop in a few weeks. It's gonna make people happy. You know what I mean? And we both were like speculating, like, what was he talking about? Like, what's happening in a few weeks? You know what I mean? What's going on? Like, a free agency two months away. What's a few weeks? Huh? What? What's he talking about? And I mean, this is the news. It's kind of anticlimactic in that way, but it's still pretty dope. You know what I mean? Really, really cool. But um, yeah, May 14th. May what's 14th happening is after a lottery, that, dude. <laughs> that's, I, I'm so anxious for that day. We're, only, we're almost exactly a month away. And that's oh, the Lord. day that we find out what pick we have. And. We just gotta keep our fingers crossed that we end up with the number one pick. Cause if we don't, that's gonna be that's gonna be a huge heartbreaker. Um, but we gotta we gotta think positive. We, Patrick Ewing is gonna represent the Knicks and hopefully it'll bring some good luck to the team and we'll get the number one pick hopefully. And then we have the the NBA Finals. Uh, we'll see if Kevin Durant and the Warriors make it to the finals because that's gonna be important. Some people say that. If he wins a title, he'll get the three P, and then at that point, he'll feel like he's accomplished what he can with the Warriors. There's not much more that he could do, and maybe he'll look outside of San Francisco and Golden State and see what other team can join. More, mm-hmm. more pointedly towards the East in New York, MSG. That might be the team that he's looking at. Mm-hmm. Not even just looking at it. If all all these reports and rumors and just straight up reporters just dropping hints throughout the season is true this has been locked and loaded and gift wrapped since uh july of last year yeah that uh kd went into the season knowing it'll be his last so like that gives me kind of a a feeling that even if the warriors for some like one percent chance that they don't win the title he'll still still come this way um that leads us to uh bill simmons if our if our listeners are sports fans they're familiar with this guy from Boston, um, big mouth, little guy. Um, he was on, uh, was it Mike Francesa, local New Yorker uh, radio, and he said, quote, bet the house on KD going to the Knicks. Um, do you want to fill him in why that's significant, that this one man said this after all these other reporters said the same, or do you want me to uh, kind of so, expose the importance? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say a little bit about it. It's just, it's funny because earlier in the season, people would just say, like, Oh, I hear reports where my sources are telling me that Kevin Durant might be interested in the Knicks. Maybe Kyrie will join. Um, it's all like you know, maybe this, maybe that. Or, you know, there's a chance. You know, the war the Warriors are still there. He'll he'll be successful with them. But now that Bill Simmons almost, you know, he he said as much as he could without definitively saying that KD will join the Knicks. That he said he'll bet the house that he'll join the Knicks. And this is important because Bill Simmons is one of the most prominent, you know, sports analysts right now uh especially in, mm-hmm. in nba mm-hmm. basketball typically what he says he, he just has a lot of sources he knows people he's very well connected he owns the ringer and um once once bill simmons said it and he bill simmons is pretty close with kevin durant um mm-hmm. more he knows people i was about to chime in he does know the one guy that's important in all exactly this. <laughs> and it feels like once once Bill Simmons just was as straightforward as possible as, of Kevin Durant coming to the Knicks or joining the Knicks. 
you, you hear other reporters just pretty much saying, it, like, yeah, you know, most likely he'll be joining the Knicks. Most likely yep, in Rick July, Buker. we'll see it. Yeah. Bleacher Reports, Rick Buecher was on Fox Sports, said the same. It's like, yeah, it's happening. Locked and loaded, gift wrap, yada, yada, yada. Um, just Bill Simmons itself, to go back to him, throughout the season, he just kept kind of shitting on the Knicks, as he's prone to do. He's a Boston guy, but it was like he turned the heat up the season. He's like, why would KD go there? Why would go, why would anybody go there? Yada, 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 throwing dirt on us, even though we were having a, probably our most stable and just normal season ever, despite the losing. You know what I mean? We tanked like a smart team would tank. We're still getting this dirt thrown on us. And it reeked of a dude that knew something that he couldn't leak that he's just, like, mad about. You know what I mean? Thinking maybe he could shift the, shift the, the perception. You know what I mean? But, bro, I mean, like you said, he's close to KD. KD's been a guest on Simmons' podcast six times with his agent, Rich Kleiman. Um, so he's, uh, he's probably heard it directly. From not, if, if not from those two, then guys that are right directly next to those two that are connected to them. Um, same as all these other reporters that have been dropping hints. And just, I want to bring, I brought this up before, but it's also, it's, it, the, the comparison is there with the LeBron LA thing last year. We saw at the beginning of last season, it was like hints he would go to LA. You know what I mean? After the report came out, he was set. Then as the season progressed, he pretty much became an understanding like, yeah, LeBron's LA bound. This KD thing got the same feel. It went from reporters predicting he would go to hinting they're hearing he might go to hearing he might be interested to now saying, oh, yeah, he's gone. It's, it's been locked and loaded. You know what I mean? Yep. You see the progression. And just, bro, I'm telling you, <laughs> we see that Woj's notification July 1st or that first week of July. I will, I, I'm not guaranteeing the safety of nobody around in my premises. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yo, and I I want to I want to say it uh, as Knicks fans that it's okay if if say hypothetically that the Knicks sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, there aren't there there are obviously title aspirations, but the New York I believe that the fans aren't expecting them or not they're not like demanding a title right away. You know, definitely down the road sure. maybe like a maybe like within like three years yes, there should be a title, but it's not I don't I don't want. I, I hate that the media is portraying it that the, if if they go to the Knicks, then the fans would demand a title and they would riot if they don't get a title by June 2020. We're Knicks fans, bro. We turned Jeremy Lin into a, a legend off a, a hot two-week. You know what I mean? Yeah. A hot two-week stretch. We fucking, like that 54-1 season where we like got out, kicked out the second round. That's like near and dear to all Knicks fans' hearts. We're talking so like about KD it. Carrie- we're still talking about it six years later. Exactly. So if KD and Kyrie come and like worst case scenario, best like they just take us to the East Conference Finals, they're legends wrapped up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Build them a fucking statue because they're they're bringing a franchise that's been just down in the dumps for 15, 20 years, with maybe one or two good years thrown in to the that kind of like level of contending in the NBA. Sign us the fuck up. What beggars can't be choosers, and that's like a fucking life motto at this point, but especially with sports, bro. And like. <laughs> we're not talking for all Knicks fans, but we're talking about we're talking for a good majority of them. There are no title. We're not going to demand a title for June twenty twenty. Maybe like twenty twenty one though. But you know, I, I, don't get, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But <laughs> yeah, dog, we're gonna celebrate them signing like it's exactly. A title. That's exactly. a fact. That's uh, on God on everything. <laughs> that would be our biggest win since the, I, I don't I can't name a time that I had, it felt it felt bigger since since I started being a fan. I mean, I felt like. The joy I felt when we traded for Melo, this would be 10 times that. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, I mean, to stay on this topic, um, 
Frank Isola, um, former New York Daily News writer, works for The Athletic now. He put out an article that pretty much said those Kyrie and KD are coming to the Knicks. And right now at the point, they're both internally debating who's going to sign first because neither one kind of – like they're both hesitant on the perception that one followed the other. You know what I mean? I'm just like, yo, if it's at that point where they're just working out logistics about when to drop a fucking Twitter <laughs> announcement, yo. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my dog, my dick hard. on diamond status it's... right now. Rock hard. <laughs> uh, all right, look, if they're if they're like non Knicks fans listening to this, they're probably wondering. They're probably like, "Yo, these guys shouldn't get too ahead of them. Shouldn't get too ahead of themselves." But you can't blame us for getting ahead of ourselves because we we fucking deserve even the idea that they could sign to the Knicks. Yeah, bro. Like to make a comparison, it's like imagine a dude that's been a virgin for forty-five years and a girl just like kind of winks at him. He gonna be hot and bothered. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's, a, that's what it come down to at this point. Like, and when it happens, oh lord. Uh, we we talk about it eternally. Like I'm gonna I'm become the Thanos of shit talking, brother. That's a fact. You give me Kyrie and Ky- Ky- Kyrie and KD. That's the fucking Infinity Stones in my hand, bro. I'm going to have family members hating me, close friends, despising my shit talk. I'm going to be so flagrant. <laughs> but that's if it happens at this point. You know what I mean? If, we got to wait for if, July. That July 1st to 7th is going to be some of the most stressful and, and anxious times. That I'm taking a week off from work. <laughs> I got PTO for days. Let's get it. <laughs> Stare at your phone the whole time. Wait for that. Wait for that Woj bomb. Swear to God, I'm going to just let buy some lawn chairs, take PTO that week, put it on my balcony, just sit there looking at my phone while drinking a mojito. That's my vacation. Get that Woz notification. I'm going to be Michael from The Office. Oh, my God, it's happening. (laughs) Uh, All right. Yeah, I think think we're going to have to end it on this high note right now. Um, You're right. You got (laughs) you got any final pointers you want to say about this Knicks season? Because or because next episode we're gonna drop right back down and talk about the top five worst NBA moments. Sorry, Knicks moments in NBA history. Um, But if if there's nothing else, we can close this one out. Um, I guess one last thing I want to say is just props to Fizz. I mean, culture is a hot topic and it's kind of a buzzword, but I feel like just the amount of love these guys played with and energy. I mean, we obviously lost mad games. Only one what seventeen. But there were a lot of games. The majority of the games we played this season, they were in it to down to the wire. There were games they had no business of being competitive in. And that speaks to the kind of guy Fisdale is. He had these guys playing for each other, playing for their coach, loving one another. You know what I mean? Aside from that one bad apple, um, cancer. You know what I mean? I mean, there was a quote the other day I saw from a player that said, the thing about Fizz is he won't just tell you what you want to hear because players can't have a good bullshit detector. He'll be straight with you, but encourage you and lift you up and be your biggest ally. That's why players want to pay, play for him. He's a player's coach. And now it's just about counting down to the summer when we get him some big time players. That's we right. can leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. He handled the media perfectly. And you know, there's as little drama as possible for, for a New York team that has the worst record in the NBA. And, he handled it, you know, amazingly. So, you know, kudos to, to Fizz, and I'm excited to see what kind of players he gets to coach next season. Yeah, I mean, he was on radio the other day. He said, like, Knicks fans, prepare, be prepared. It's going to get a lot better. I don't know if he was talking about the young kids or if he knows something, but 
a man fits, man. He gonna be here next season, and we gonna we gonna see whether he can really coach or not, just given who we got on the roster, right? That's right. Let's fucking go, bro. Our season is here. <laughs> on that note, that's a wrap. This is episode number eighteen of the Nickish Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, hit uh, hit us up on on IG and Twitter. It's Nick underscore Ish. Give us a like. Give us a follow. And tune in for next week's episode, episode 19, where we talk about the top top five worst Knicks moments in the last two decades. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace, and rest in peace to Nipsey.